0: uh If you could turn your books uh, or your Bibles to the the chap to the first chapter of Mark, uh, and I don't know about you, but I don't know how much full I am of prayer <laughs> I'm full of turkey, but uh, we need the Lord this morning to hear his hear his voice uh, and what He is wanting to speak to us. as I was thinking this morning. As we're opening up the book of Mark, I really desire for us as a body, as a church, to see who Jesus is as the Messiah, as the King of kings, uh, as the Lord of lords. And I'm asking the Lord that He would really just give us a revelation. Because it's one thing to know of Him, it's another thing to know Him. Total different situation and scenario, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But we need to know Jesus. Jesus. We're not here just to get filled intellectually, we're here to experience Him, to to see Him, to know Him, that we can walk in the fullness of who He is, uh, and that's what this is all about. So let's read together, I'm going to read from verses 14 to 28, and then we'll pray together and I'll break it down um, for us this morning. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he was going along by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he came, called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and and the hired servants and went away to follow him. They, They went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in, the, in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? You have, come to de- have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God." And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately, there we go with the word immediately again, The news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, this is the season that we look to the Messiah, Jesus, the babe in the manger who came to bring us hope, faith, and love. And you are the light of the world, Jesus. I just ask you this morning, Lord, that you would give us grace to see who you are. Give us grace to hear you. Give us grace to understand. Lord, we need you and we invite invite you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us and we pray that the gospel of God, the kingdom of God would come in our midst and dwell not among us, but in us. And we thank you, Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen. So this morning I have uh, three points for you, and the first is the gospel of God. And in this, when I look at this word, the gospel of God, a question mark comes up. Well, what is the gospel of God? What is the good news? And so you have to question that. And I'd ask you this morning, like, what is the good news? What is the gospel of God? And many of us, we'd have different answers, but I want to kind of key in on one focus. And the second point is, we are called to be fishermen, a call to be fisher of men. And the third is the authority of Christ, which means everything. And so we have here... As Brother Calvin uh, preached to us last week and taught us about Jesus and after he was baptized, and this is really important, that when he was baptized, he come out of the water and there was a voice from heaven that spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it was really a declaration of this is the Messiah, this is the coming one. This is the one who I was telling you that would come, and he is here. And as I think about that, I'm going to go off just for a second, is how many of us this morning believe this about our relationship with the Father, that we are his beloved, and he is well pleased with us? Do you believe it? You see, a lot of us this morning, we struggle with this thought that God is actually pleased with us, that He actually loves us, that He calls us sons and daughters. On a good day, sure, we can believe it. On a bad day, it's harder to believe. But I want you to know this simple gospel truth this morning, and it is good news, is that in Christ, the Father is well pleased with you, and He loves you, okay? Okay? You have to believe it, you have to know it, and you have to experience it. So he did this, and then right afterwards, he was baptized, he went into the desert, into the wilderness. Remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago, the wilderness is a place of repentance, a place of refinement, and Christ goes out there and he's tempted by Satan. And why is this necessary that Jesus is tempted by Satan? Is because it's necessary because first is that He is in full humanity. The first Adam fell in the garden, which is interesting, right? All beauty, all bliss, no death, everything was right. A relationship with God that was unbroken, but yet they were tempted and they sinned, and it was a broken relationship. Well, Christ went to the wilderness, not the most beautiful place, and was tempted and did not give in to the enemy. I was thinking about that concept this morning, Jesus lived a life that was worthy of the Father. Everything that you and I were supposed to do that we can't do, Christ did for us. And that is the good news this morning. So when John has been taken into custody in in verse 14, Jesus came not with a different message, the same message preaching the gospel of God in saying, the time is now fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I want to talk to you about the gospel of God. And what does it mean? You see, a lot of us have gotten into this funk, I'll call it a funk, a cloud, of thinking that the kingdom of God is for The things of this world and the the kingdom is going to be ushered in to this world that we live in now. And I want to say that it partially is, and I'm going to explain how it partially is, but there's a lot of things that need to happen, which is the return of Christ. And so when Jesus comes preaching the gospel of God, He is actually saying this, listen. Listen. God is in complete control. God is the king. God is everything that God has never left His throne. That is good news. You see, because we've just went out of a season, and maybe we're going back into a season of chaos for the last two years, it reminds us that our kingdom, or His kingdom, is not His. Not our kingdom, His kingdom has not come fully yet. And so Jesus came to say it, and then He says this. Not only did He say that, He says, the time is fulfilled. What does it mean that the time is fulfilled? It means that everything the Old Testament has been pointing to is complete in Christ Jesus. There is nothing more to take place. There's nothing more to be done because it all is in Christ. It means that the preparation and prophecy have reached its fulfillment. It's Christ. In Christ alone. So when he comes, he's saying this. And let's go to Psalm 47, verse 7 through 9. And I love the way Jeremy uh, was going through his Bible today. And and that's what we're going to do, is we're going to go through our Bible today. So if you have your word, the word, turn your pages. If not, scroll down, but it's Psalm 47, verses 7 through 9. And this is the good news. This is the gospel of God. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the people have assembled themselves as the people of the God of Abraham for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. This is who our God is. If you go over to Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. And again, it's the gospel. You'll have to excuse me. I I just, you know, I'm the preacher, right? So I get to tell a story, my own stories. Well, I cut my finger. I got my first deer uh, on Monday. And the very, when I started cutting, and this is kind of gruesome, when I started cutting the deer, I just sliced my finger wide open. Don't feel sorry for me. Eight stitches later. But man, that chili was good. Poor deer. I do have to say this. I was watching Rudolph the, Red, uh, yeah, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and when Rudolph's mom was a doe, I felt really guilty. And I thought, no, that's food on the table. So anyway, it was fun. And I'd read a book that in Wisconsin, to punch your man card, you've got to kill a deer. So I'm a man. I'm a man traditions, right? I'm just trying to fit into culture here. But it says this in verse 9 of chapter 14, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one and his name the only one. Now Zechariah goes on to, to talk about when this life is over and all things will be subject to the King of Kings. But this is the point, even now, that there is a King over all the earth, and there is only one, and in His His name is Jesus. And if you thought about it, it's the Lord's prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is Your name, hallowed is Your name, Your name is set apart. Your kingdom come, and Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, have you thought about the strength of that prayer? That in Jesus, God's will is being done. But I want to kind of talk about the gospel of God and how it is different than what we think it is. There's a wiser man than me, and I know that's hard to believe. His name was Augustine. And he wrote about a long time ago, and it really, it it affects our culture today, and we may not realize it, but even his teaching affects our government. But he talks about the city of man, and the city of God. And he talked about the city of man being at its best in government is still corrupt. And I wholeheartedly believe that that there will never be upon this world and upon this earth until Jesus comes, a government that is worthy of God and that is not corrupt. So if you're on the right today, it's corrupt. If you're on the left today, it's corrupt. And if you're in the middle, you're perfect. Yeah. But he begins to talk about this and he fleshes it out through the word of God. How at its best, and we all know this, right? All of our hearts are desperately sick. According to Jeremiah 17, verse 9. And who can know the heart? Only God knows the heart. And you see, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, they all had this idea that the Messiah was going to come, He was going to go into Jerusalem, He was going to set up His kingdom, His earthly kingdom, and that was going to be it. That is what even His own disciples thought until the day He died, and then all their hope, right? Hope was crushed on the cross. But here I want to introduce something to you about the kingdom of God. And why we so often miss it is because the kingdom of God is His rule and reign in the hearts of men and women. Let me say that again. The kingdom of God coming in Christ Jesus is the rule and reign of God in the hearts of men and women. That is why we say Jesus is our Lord. And I have to admit to you, the longer I walk with Jesus, the harder it gets to put my heart, my soul down at the foot of the cross and let Jesus be King. And that's strange, isn't it? And I'm just being honest with you. And so Jesus calls the nation of Israel. He comes to them and He says, Repent and believe in the Gospel, the good news. And I want to talk to you just a minute about what is true repentance. We talk about it a lot. Repent is to have a change in heart and purpose. It's turning around. Is saying, Lord, I know that I'm sorry and I need a change, and you are the only change. And saying, I I know I need you. And I would like to ask you this question today Are you still living a life of true repentance? And why do I ask you that question? Because of what I just said a few minutes ago, the longer I live and walk this Christian life, the longer the old self, which is really crazy, wants to come and wants to be king. And you see, a true disciple, and we're going to talk about discipleship just in in a minute, but a true disciple is somebody who continues to walk in a life of repentance. Which, what does that mean? It means a life of change. That when you came to Jesus, whether it was a month ago, a day ago, 30 to 50 years ago, that your life is different than it was. Now, there are seasons that we we go through that it's like, man, Lord, where are you? I'm in the wilderness. And it seems like my life is just like it used to be. And I want to call us to a place of belief and trust in Him, right? The Gospel, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. And what does this word believe mean? It's not just some blind faith. It is putting all your trust in Jesus. You see, the truth of the matter is is that there are a lot of so-called Christians today that have no trust in the cross of Christ. And I would say that they are cultural Christians and that they need a life of repentance. You know what? I'm right there with them. And we need Jesus. So let me say this again. The kingdom of God coming is the rule and reign in the individual's heart. And I want to ask you this morning, is He ruling and reigning in your heart in all areas? If not, you're here this morning by the grace of God that you have the opportunity to change, repent by His grace, and believe in the good news. And I want to go to the second point. As a disciple and as a follower of Christ, you are called to be fishers of men. Whether you have a great gift of evangelism or not, that's not what it's about, but you are called to proclaim. And remember what Brother Calvin said last week. It's not enough just to live a good life as if that is going to point others to Christ. It is part of the equation. If you live like the devil and you proclaim the good news, you're a bad witness. You're a bad witness. But I want you to know that we are called to proclaim. And so here we have this portion of Scripture that Jesus, and if we look at it just on the surface, we're like Jesus just walked by these guys and He called them to discipleship. But it's not the case. If you go to Luke, uh, we're not going to go there this morning, but if you go to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, you get the bigger story. And the bigger story is they were fishing all night, a crowd forms, Jesus gets into Simon's boat. And begins to teach the people while Simon and these four are there hearing the words of Christ to the people and they probably already knew who Jesus was. They'd probably already been introduced to him. And they were hearing this and then Jesus tells Peter, hey, cast the net on the other side. What happened? Or not on the other side, cast your net. And what did Peter say? As Peter always does, Lord, I've been fishing. We've been fishing all night. There's no fish. And Jesus tells him to do it anyway. And as he he does it, the nets are filled, and he has a problem getting all the fish into the boat. And what does Peter do? He bows his his knees before the Lord and says, Lord, you are the truth. I am a sinner. Go away from me, basically. And then what does Peter and what does Jesus do? Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers. Now, I will say this to you this morning, that some of you here this morning that you need to see Jesus move. And you are longing for Him to show Himself to you. And I want to encourage you this morning, if that is you, do not close your ears and your eyes to what He has been speaking to you and to what He has been doing. Today may be the day of salvation for you. Some of you, it's just like, man, your life is so terrible that you see Christ and He's the hope of the world, and you just turn immediately to him. It doesn't matter where you're at in life, is that you can all, we can all come to Christ and know him and to call to discipleship. And here's what discipleship is in verse chapter 16 of Matthew, verse 24 through 28. And it says this, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will, then will repay every man according to his deeds. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So listen to this. like We're going to celebrate the babe in the manger, but I'm telling you, when Jesus comes back in the fullness of his glory, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. No matter what, if they believed or not believed, they will do it because we will see him in all his glory. But here's the deal. We have this opportunity to do it now. But so discipleship, this is what discipleship is. It's denying oneself. It's denying oneself. It's rejecting your old life. So I want to ask you this morning, who is king of your heart? You see, and I want to be really truthful this morning with you, that we live in a time and an age where everybody wants to live for themselves. Do not tread on me, Now, granted, there are rights, right? And we're not saying that we just we don't fight for things. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. If that attitude has creeped down into your heart and you say that I'm going to do whatever I want to do, it's just me and Jesus, me and the Bible, there may be some issues within your heart. Because that is not the truth. And the disciple says, I deny myself. And I hate it. I'll be very honest with you. When I wake up in the morning and I'm not feeling good and I want to love on self, but I've got to get up and love on others. Are you kidding me? And I've shared this before, and this isn't Church Growth 101. I've walked through these doors not loving anybody. And I asked the Lord in a simple prayer, saying, God, give me the grace to love today. And then I was reminded this week that I'm not to live for my own self-interest alone, but the interest of others also. And it's hard to do when my flesh is crying out saying, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's all about you. But you see, a disciple lays down his life. He takes up his cross. What does this cross mean? It means that we are carrying around in this body death. When the world is telling you to love yourself, take care of yourself, pamper yourself, Christ is calling us to die to self. Remember, it was Paul that says, I die daily. And and I've heard it said lots of times, and I do agree with this statement, is that the hard life that I have is the cross that I have to bear. Have you ever heard that? And I want you to know that there's partial truth in that, but it's partial truth. And why do I say that? Because even our bad circumstances can cause us to be very selfish and self-centered. But I want you to know that Christ has called us to be lovers of others even more than lovers of ourselves. And to follow Christ is to be in agreement with Him. To be like Him. And I have to be, again, I guess I'm being honest this morning, is that everything in the Bible I do not like. But I'm called to be obedient. I'm called to be obedient. And it's good. That's what it is to be a disciple. And then I want to talk at least, not the last or the least, but the authority of Christ. And I think this is good stuff right here, and I hope I can do it justice. It says they went, the disciples went with Jesus. To Capernaum, which was his home base where he did all his ministry. A lot of his ministry was from there. And it says immediately he went into, on Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and he began to teach. And here's what they said they were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he, because he taught with one who had authority and not as a scribe. Now, I want to say this to you because this really should convict us all. Is that we know that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, he did nothing else. And so when he spoke, he spoke with all authority of heaven. But you see, the scribes were quite different, they were dispensers of the law. They studied, they went, if you would call it today, they were modern theologians, the modern-day theologians. They went to seminary, they taught, and then they learned things that you and I just can't grasp. And that's who the scribes were. They were paid to be learned men, to study, to know the text, and to, to be able to be dispensers. But here's the deal. It's one thing to be a dispenser of truth. It's another thing to be truth. Let me say that again. It's one thing to be a dispenser of truth and to be truth. You see, Jesus, why He had all authority is because He was the truth. And you see, there are many churches today that are full of a bunch of scribes. And if I'm not careful, I could be the same way that I am just described. I've read my books, I've read my commentaries, I've spent many hours in study. I could just be a dispenser of truth. But here's how you go from a dispenser of truth to somebody who knows what they're talking about. It's real, this is tough. It's knowing Jesus. It's having a relationship with Him. You can tell the difference between somebody who knows Jesus intimately and somebody who is just a dispenser of knowledge in the Word. I'm going to move on here and then all of a sudden Jesus shows up in the synagogue and all of a sudden these demon, this demon begins to cry out. And you know what I find interesting in Scripture, and it points to it, is that the demons always knew who Jesus was. They always said, what are you here to torment us? What do you have to do with us, Jesus? You are the Holy One of God, we know who you are. But yet his own disciples and his own religious people didn't see him, didn't know him. And remember what James tells us in chapter 2, verse 19, that you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. You know, I was thinking about this morning, because we live in the Western world, sometimes we, we don't always look at the demonic. We don't think of the demonic and the spiritual warfare that goes on around us, but the spiritual warfare is real. And I'm telling you this, that you alone are no match for the demonic. But here's the good news. Jesus came to bind the demonic. He came. The good news is that we can be free today. That we can understand, that we can know, that that did you know before you came into the kingdom? So if you're not a Christian today, you are under the domain of darkness. That's what the Scripture teaches us. And I have been there. And I know it well. But when Jesus came in, he broke free the demonic over my life where now I am free. But listen, it's real and it's something not to play with. And I will tell you this much. Do you remember in Acts we see the sons of Skeva where they went and they were casting out demons supposedly and the demon said, who are you? We know Jesus, we know Paul, but we don't know you. And they beat them up and they went away what? I'm not going to say nude. They went away nude. It's an inside joke because I'm a southern and I can't say naked. So we say nude around here. But here's the good news. And it awed the people. said, who is this man? He has authority. He not only teaches with authority, but he commands the demonic. And they respond. And this is really good news. If you go to Matthew 28 and 29, verse, uh, chapter 12, verses 28 through 29, I want to read this to us this morning because we're talking about the Messiahship of Christ. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. He has all authority and all dominion and all power. It says this, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is upon you. And then he goes on to say this, how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? So let me read this to you that I thought was good. It said, after a hundred years hundreds of years of inability to have any real effective triumph over demonic forces. When Jesus came casting out demons with absolute authority, the people were amazed. They were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey Him. Such power over demonic forces have never uh, before been seen in the history of the world. Jesus explains that His power over demons is a distinguishing mark of His ministry to inaugurate the reign of the kingdom of God among mankind in a new and powerful way. So let me say this in just real plain Arkansan English, is that Jesus came, and when He began to bind the enemy when he put them in the rightful place, that distinguished the mark that the kingdom of God has come upon mankind and is with us. So here's the deal. Right now, we live in an in-between state of the already and not yet. What does that mean? The already is the king has come. He he has bound the enemy. And the real true kingdom of God is the rule and reign in the hearts of men and women. Let me say that again. The real true kingdom of God right now at this time in our history is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, Christ in the hearts of men and women. It's called lordship. But, There is a coming day when he will come back and will be who he is as the ruler and the king of everything. When he comes back, for those who are in Christ, there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more struggle with sin. We will sit down, we will work whatever heaven has in store for us in absolute peace no more to struggle in this life of sin and death and then we'll have no one asking us if God is so good then why does he allow bad things I will say you the only reason we have bad things in this world is because of sin and death but when Christ returns sin and death will be done away with so how do we live our best life now (laughs) now We talked about that last week, that we don't believe in that mantra. Our best life is not for now, it is for later. But I will tell you this, the life that you live now can be full of peace and hope and joy, even in the midst of our sorrows and struggles and death. So how can we apply this to our lives today? And if Jed, you would come up this morning and lead us in our last song of worship. How can we live what we've learned today? And and I do my best to dispense the good news, but the point of it all is that we can repent and believe. Make a complete turnaround and denial of your way of living, and you can put all your hope into Christ and live a different way today. And for you that are believers... I want to encourage you today that you would always live a life of repentance for the rest of your life on this earth. And that means a life of change. And that we can deny self, pick up our cross, and we can follow Jesus. And I want to say this again, how we can apply this is that one who is truly a follower of Christ has been called to proclaim the kingdom of God. And So wherever you go, be a proclamation and be a proclaimer of the kingdom. And don't be merely a dispenser of truth, but walk in the truth. So I want to challenge us all this morning. Is Do you truly believe? And if you truly believe, are you walking in the that out. And that is a challenge for each one of us. If you'd stand with me this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in just the right time in human history, you sent your son into the world. And Father, we realize, and I don't even think we realize the whole, the, the, the beauty and the mystery of what it is for you to send your only begotten son into this world. But Jesus, when we have truly experienced your kingdom coming into our lives and our hearts, Lord, He changes everything. So I ask today, Lord, that Your kingdom would break through in in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, make breakthrough, Lord. And may we turn, may we repent, and may we believe in the Gospel today. And not only that, Lord, may we count the cost of what it is to love others. And Lord, if I could just ask in Your presence this morning in the presence of your body and your church, would you give us the grace to live for others? Father, there are spiritual forces around us that want to cause us, and our culture itself, want to cause us to live for what feels good and, and what we desire, what we want, and, and, and to fulfill our own happiness. Lord, we know that that is not true, and we reject the lie. And Jesus, you are our true peace, you are our true joy, you are our true hope. And so Lord, give us the grace to see that today. And Fathers, we open up the Advent and we open up the Christmas season. Would you please give us the grace to remember who you are and that we live for you and you alone. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.